What brings a community together? Shared insights? Shared conversations? Welcome to Open Door by Cox Communities, tackling the big questions on the minds of smart community business leaders. Welcome back to Open Door by Cox Communities, where we're providing information for you to consider when making decisions for your multifamily communities. Discover the latest trends and technologies that are making some multifamily business owners stand out. I'm your host, Bess Friedman, CEO of Brown Harris Stevens. These days, on a long enough drive to just about any location, you're likely to see wind turbines and solar farms. Green initiatives and technologies are quickly replacing many of the ways we've traditionally lived our lives and conducted business. But exactly how important is keeping it green to potential residents and how can multifamily business owners leverage green trends into rent premiums? Here to help me answer these questions are Jamie Gerber, Manager of Real Estate Development at Opus Group, and Brittany Sobrio, Product Manager of IoT and Managed Wi-Fi at Cox Communications. Welcome, Brittany and Jamie. So nice to have you this afternoon. So we are going to talk a lot about green tech. Curious, just off the bat, what kind of, if any, green tech are either of you using at home currently? Brittany, I'll ask you first. I I was making a list uh, the other day, and it was actually quite a few things. So we, we use LED light bulbs. Me and my husband both have electric vehicles. Uh, we do the smart thermostats. We have a tankless hot water heater. We have energy efficient appliances. So just a few. You have a lot. What do you mean? That's that's <laughs> impressive. That's a great standard. I'm not, I don't want to talk about what I'm doing. Okay, Jamie, you got, that's a tough competition for you, Jamie. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be able to match it, but I'll do my best. So uh, <laughs> my favorite green technologies that I have in my house are my uh, automatic shades and my uh, smart thermostat. And so I kind of have those programmed to, uh, you know, I go up to 85 degrees when I'm not at home and I have the shades go down. You know, both of those together are decreasing cooling needs and also saving me money. That's OK. That's good. You, I think that Brittany gets an A and you're going to get a B minus. So I'm very impressed. So but let's let's shift gears. I'll take it. <laughs> I would get a D minus, so don't worry. (laughs) So we know that green initiatives are important for the environment and that they can save you money. But my main question today is, are residents looking for green technologies when they're looking for a home? What do you think, Jamie? Let's go with you. Absolutely, they are. To to the extent that kind of depends on the person and the location. I think we're going to get into that a little bit more later. But we absolutely are seeing that renters, buyers alike are willing to pay for green technologies, both to make their uh, homes more convenient, but also to save money and to feel like they are positively impacting the environment. And Brittany? Yeah, yeah. I echo Jamie's response. Absolutely. We see people gravitating towards the the smart thermostat. That's the, the biggest one. So yeah, absolutely. If a place has a smart thermostat already there, it's way more, oh, what's the word? It's more appealing for them, right, to have... Yeah, more appealing. Thank you. Yes. Yep. And and what sorts of specific green or um, interconnected technologies are residents looking for? 
Yeah, yeah. So I think they're, again, the, the smart thermostat, that's probably the number one, right? Probably close follow to that would be smart lighting. So either smart light bulbs or smart light switches. And then also the connected appliances, the smart appliances or, you know, green appliances. So those would probably be the top few. Jamie, I want you to have a chance to, if you want to uh, add anything to that. We have found the same on our end as far as what Brittany's mentioned. And then on top of that, we also find that uh, residents can be passionate about items such as uh, water saving fixtures or Energy Star certified appliances. So Jamie, can you speak a little bit uh, to how incorporating these technologies can directly translate into rent premiums? Sure. Great question, Bess. And so renter preferences is something that we're intensely trying to understand every day, you know, especially after COVID, the preferences of our renter pool and also of, of a buyer pool have changed greatly. So we purchase a number of different surveys and studies each year that attempt to study and quantify that. And I have a few uh, key numbers that I pulled out in advance of this. So for example, we found that for Phoenix, the average renter is willing to pay $36 more per month for uh, water saving fixtures than not. Similarly, smart thermostats, $35 per month, smart lighting, $33 per month, and Energy Star certified appliances, $32 a month. So there is studies out there that is, are quantifying and demonstrating the value that green technology can bring to real estate developments. So it, it seems that this is a big plus for anybody who's looking to live in a multifamily dwelling, that they want to have this sort of technology. And it's probably, do they ask a lot of questions about it, Jamie? Are they, is it on their sort of checklist of things that are priorities? Are you seeing that? We absolutely are usually expecting at least one or two questions about green technology or how the how building recycles or, you know, is uh, attempts to be environmentally friendly. We anticipate at least a few questions for each tour. So that's definitely something that we are frequently being asked about. And not just from a renter perspective, our capital partners. So for each of our deals, we bring on a capital partner because usually these multifamily projects are, you know, above $80 million in project costs and it requires us to partner up. So a lot of times what we're seeing is uh, that might be one of the first questions that they ask us is what green technologies do we have planned for this area? And similarly, you know, what we're hearing is that some capital partners are instantly disqualifying groups from even being considered to give money to if they don't have like a ESG tab on their website, for example, or something demonstrating their commitment to green technologies. So we're seeing it both on the capital markets end, but also from the renter user end, which is really great. I think it is. I mean, Brittany, I'm curious what your opinion is. Do you think this is more geared towards millennials because you know, growing up, like I am a Gen Xer, so I'm considered a little older. And yes, we're aware and care about green technology and all of that. But like I have teenagers and my daughter is super conscious of all those things, won't, doesn't want any plastic in the house, has a you know, water bottle she uses to refill, you know, you know, is very aware. She grew up with that awareness. It's the generation Gen Z. But millennials seem to very attuned to this. Do you think that when people are looking that it's more millennial based that are looking for this or do you see this just across the board? I definitely think it starts with the millennial group, but it is growing. It's expanding right into the, those other segments it's all about you know adapting to that that change the older you get you tend to want to change 
less. So, you know, it's, what are you saying about me, Brittany? Because I'm starting to get offended. I, nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. Teasing you. <laughs> no, I mean, but it's, it is. I find that, you know, if I like something a certain way, it takes takes a, quite a bit of convincing for me to change my way of doing that thing just because I, I like how it is right now. These um, green technologies are really going to have to prove out their benefit to the consumers before they are fully adopted across all segments. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just what you grow up with, what you learn, your environment. And it's we're definitely our world is moving this way towards this. I mean, it's not going to slow down. It's only going to keep growing. So let's focus on a specific technology. EV parking and charging stations are becoming very common for today's MDUs. Brittany, you're aware of the findings of a couple parks reports and lot pilots. Do the findings have anything to say about how much EV tech is resonating with residents? Yes, yes, there's quite a few findings. There's a lot of barriers right now to that being widely adopted. Some people just don't have any intention of purchasing a new car at the moment. That's number one reason they don't get EV. The next one down is it's just really expensive right now, right? I think Tesla's actually made quite a bit of headway in that that space with their, you know, Model 3 and, and Model Y vehicles, but still a little pricey for, you know, a starter vehicle, but it's growing for sure. Interest is growing. Jamie, what, what are your opinions about what uh, Brittany had to say? I completely agree with everything that Brittany had to say and just kind of wanted to throw in a real world example. So on one of our projects, it's a 334 unit uh, garden style development in Southern Phoenix. So initially we had about 15% of the total parking spots plan to have EV chargers there. Our capital partners uh, got with us and requested that we actually provide the capacity to make 100% of the parking spots EV capable. So what that means is all the conduit and everything is going to be run so that those spots are EV ready. They're not all going to be, you're not going to be able to charge the entire parking lot on day one of the project, but they recognize that this is a trend that's real and that they expect that sooner rather than later, they're going to be installing the rest of those EV chargers. Jamie, uh, can you speak to EV charging and the risks versus the rewards that come from incorporating green technology? I'll start with the risks. So, I mean, you know, of course, the biggest risk is that you spend all this money incorporating a technology that either nobody uses or worse, that people actively dislike. So that's obviously going to affect your bottom line, what you're able to charge to your renters, et cetera. So that's kind of the, the risk side as we view it. Yeah, from a positive perspective, you know, we're finding that technologies like EV are attracting renters. It, it is a feature that renters want to see in a community that they live in. And, you know, outside of just looking at renters, vehicles that are EV are lighter. They're putting less wear and tear on your parking lots, on your infrastructure that you've installed. So it's also beneficial from that perspective. So I think there's a lot of benefits that come along with EV that far outweigh the, the perceived risk. Jamie, what role does location play in a developer or multifamily business owner's decision to integrate green technologies into their properties? That's a great question. And I, I want to take a step back and go back to those metrics I was referencing earlier, just for context. In Phoenix, the largest premium that uh, any apartment feature can generate is the uh, air conditioning. And so we're seeing a rent premium of $59.29 in Phoenix. Uh, comparatively, nationwide, the number one premium is also in air conditioning, but it's at $55.17. 
So in Phoenix, we're seeing that people are willing to pay 8% more than the national renter for air conditioning. And the reason why I bring that up is I think it's a great example of the locational differences and its impact on you know, planning and designing a multifamily project. Long way of answering your question, it is incredibly impactful. You know, obviously a more exposed area that probably would do better from a solar perspective, but in an area that maybe we need to do some work and get it lifted out of a floodplain, that make, might make more sense to have some additional uh, retention features or gardening features or some additional location-specific green technology that can be done. So... Brittany, we know that some residents are willing to pay more for green technology, but is there enough or do you think there's enough data to identify a breaking point in the price ranges? There is a breaking point, of course, but I mean, and it also depends on the the income level, right? More and more people today are switching over to from home ownership to renters and that, that group just keeps growing. So you're seeing a variety of income levels as well. So I think Quite honestly, that breaking point's getting higher and higher right now. But yeah, people definitely are willing to pay a premium for these features. I mean, um, Cox did a, a pilot with um, a few properties, and, and we saw rent premiums increase anywhere from low end twenty dollars per unit per month, all the way up to one hundred and twenty dollars per unit per month. It was it's pretty crazy what green tech and smart tech can do what it attracts. Jamie, do you, I mean, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. You know, I've been referencing a study throughout this podcast, you know, attempting to quantify, but at the same time, it's so difficult to truly quantify it because we're experiencing such rapid and immense rent growth nationally, but also in Phoenix. It's sometimes hard to differentiate, you know, what is commanding a higher rent just because there's no other space to rent or if it is because of the green technology. So that's something that we're aware of and definitely monitoring pretty closely. So let's talk about a recent use case. What can you both tell us about Paradise at P83? Let's, can you guys talk to me a little bit about that? That was one of our pilot properties that we had. We installed some smart lighting, some smart door lock and thermostat. We saw for their vacant units, a decrease in $20-ish per unit per month in, in energy savings. So that was was really cool. And that's just being able to, you know, set a, a rule to control the temperature thermostat in all the vacant units, you know, make sure that AC wasn't left on after the painter came and touched up the walls, you know, and it was just blasting for the next few days. Jamie, are you also, are you aware of that study as well? You know, I am aware of it. Unfortunately, I didn't have the pleasure of working on P83 while the project was underway, but I've read a lot about it and uh, we definitely are using it as kind of a of a model going forward. So we were really impressed with Cox's uh, pilot program. We're using it now that it's fully launched. We're using it in two of our large scale developments out here and uh, expect it to continue. We were, we were really happy with how that project went and especially the the green technology, smart technology component to it. Brittany, what was the the scope of the project? Let's see. We had we had a couple of properties. P eighty three was was one of them. This property had about three hundred and fifty units. And what we did is we came in and we installed the Cox's network, and we did a dedicated service for that smart technology. Uh, so it stayed connected whether the unit was occupied or vacant, which is a little different than how other IoT providers do that today. And so that enabled a lot of operational savings for the property, like the 
controlling the thermostats in the vacant units or in the model units or uh, turning off the lights, making sure they are turned off in those vacant units as well. So we ran that for, it was a good 12 months that we ran the pilot and we were able to work with the property to collect that data on their energy bills and on their rent increases over that time period. And what kind of uh, data did you guys identify, like rent increases, energy savings? Did you identify any of those things? We did. So we found that the rent increases were anywhere from 50 to $70 per unit per month. We saw an average of $20 less in energy bills every month for those vacant units as well. So that was pretty exciting for, for that property. So I guess as we talk about green tech and looking forward, it seems like anything in real estate with multifamily, people are going to be looking for these sort of features. It's it's just, you can't go back to olden days. It looks like this is a part of specifically what Cox is offering and what real estate, that environment must have to be attractive and get these sort of rent premiums. Would you guys agree with that statement? I mean, absolutely. I think this green tech, this smart tech is going to be synonymous with, you know, granite countertops or stainless steel appliances. I don't think we're there quite yet, but I definitely think it's trending that direction. Yeah. Jamie, what about, what do you think? I completely agree. Although uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I don't think we're going to be referring to it as green technologies five years from now. I think there's a marketing issue with that. There's a, uh, you can pursue other avenues to convey the uh, the benefits of it without necessarily limiting it to this one little area. Yeah, it's going to be kind of just what there is and how everything works at some point. I mean, we will not operate without it, hopefully. I mean, we'll get to that place. The charging stations, I think it's really interesting to me. If, you, if either of you have been to Europe, particularly if you go to Spain, they have charging stations everywhere and they're really prepared for that. And a lot of people have cars that are electric and they're able to charge in their garages. I don't think the U.S. in certain places we have, we're, we're more adapted doing that. But is this a big piece of for people that they want charging stations? I, I'm just curious what you guys think about that. Because I don't, I see some of it in certain places. I just don't know that we have enough of it just yet. And we're probably going to move towards that. Actually, in the the park study I referenced earlier about that had information about the EV technology, not having enough access to uh, charging stations was like one of the top three reasons for not purchasing an EV yet. So absolutely, it is an issue today and something we're going to have to be better at for that adoption to go up. Yeah. And I I don't think it's too surprising that adoption is a little bit low right now. I I forget the exact number, but I think it's like only 3% of vehicles in the country are EV. And that number obviously is just going to keep going up and up and up. You know, you have states like California requiring like any new vehicle sales in 2030 have to be EVs. So just, I mean, as a factor of that, it's that number is going to keep going up. People need a place to charge their car. So they'll need an EV station. Yeah, as people get cars that are electric, it make more sense. But it's going to take time. I think we have a good 10 to 20 years before we make true, true progress there. So Jamie, as we've been talking about green tech and multifamily businesses, do you have any predictions for the future of this? Sure. So I think primarily it's going to be legislature driven. The green incentives that might be in place in California look very different than what you're seeing in uh, South Carolina. And as such, you're going to be seeing different products built with different features and different amenities. 
So I do think 20 years from now, we're going to have a lot more green buildings, but I don't necessarily know that a typical green building in California will look the same as what we're seeing in a South Carolina. And over time, I think we'll continue to see even more separation between the different multifamily product types within varying states. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Brittany. And thank you, Jamie, for joining me this afternoon and sharing all your experience and knowledge about this very important topic. Thank you, Bess. Thank you, Bess. Thanks so much to Brittany and Jamie for being on the show today and helping us better understand what residents are looking for when it comes to green technology. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and leave a review. Thanks again for listening. I'm Bess Friedman, and this has been Open Door, brought to you by Cox Communities.